What is going on, everybody? The podcast, Pete Forsey, weekend edition. We had some takes that we just had to get the microphone, get the computer, get it all fired up, and hit record. Juan Soto getting traded maybe now, Ken Rosenthal is saying. All-Star Game weekend approaching, MLB draft, NFL franchise. You know, there was just too much. I was like, you know what, let's do another one. We got the time. Kind of sitting around here wondering what to do with myself. Let's get some content. Let's get going and let's give the people what they want. So it's the podcast. We got another one for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Episode 90. Recording this here on Saturday because we had breaking news here from Ken Rosenthal, The Athletic. And he said that Juan Soto is turning down a contract of $440 million. 15 years is what the Nationals offered. Normally, I'm kind of thinking a player should sign a contract like that. And I can't imagine staring at a check or even you know contract, however it comes in nowadays. I know DocuSign is kind of how the world works now. Um, I can't imagine turning down a contract. It starts with $440 million. To begin, Soto already has generational, life-changing money. Made millions and millions of dollars. And so even if he were to suffer, God forbid, a a knee injury or whatever, career-ending injury, he's already set. And so are Soto's for generations to come. This isn't about, you know, I hate, cannot stand. And I cannot stand that the media lets him get away with it. The feed your family's bullshit that athletes give you nowadays. He's already set. But this is about respect. It's about legacy. Clearly, if you wanted to be a national, you would have signed that contract of $440 million. The thing is, nobody ever finishes the sentence. Juan Soto, do you want to be a national? Of course I want to be a national. If I reset the market. That's where the media never wants to go. Oh, Juan Soto says he wants to stay. That, it was the same thing with all the Cubs players. Oh, we all want to be Cubs if we get top dollar in the market, which it's just not realistic for every player. With the Nationals, you should absolutely do it with Juan Soto. Now, he's obviously saying he wants to be a National if he gets that top market. The Nationals should absolutely give it to him. So, I think they're really rocking the boat here. Two years until when the uh, current contract expires in 2024. I don't understand why the Nationals are doing this. Why they're leaking this to Ken Rosenthal. Because it's pretty clear, if you look at the reports, that Rosenthal is pretty cued in with the Lerner family and Rizzo, the general manager there in Washington. So I'm almost certain that this is where this came from. If they are really thinking about entertaining trade offers, they're, they're, they're crazy. You have two years to negotiate. Soto's in no rush to do anything. He's having a down year, wants to see if he can improve his play next year or the year leading into free agency, see if he can get more. And frankly, it's the smart move. He has everything to gain. He'll still get millions and millions of dollars even if he plays worse because he's never going to be awful. Generational talent. The guy is like Ted Williams of modern-day baseball. It's insane, even though he's batting two twenty nine, Like Harper... I remember a couple of years there, he had a low batting average, but OBP led the National League. That's what Soto's doing now. He has everything to gain. He's doing the smart thing. And for Washington, you offered a contract that had an AAV of $29 million. Pittance. Mike Trout, he's got 36 AAV. Soto should be right there. Do I think Soto's better than Mike Trout? Mm, 
you know, when healthy and when you're just talking about consistency, I don't know. I tend to lean Trout, but if you said Soto's better, I get it. He should be right in that ballpark. This is just foolishness by Washington. They're rocking the boat, putting out these trade rumors. It's just going to piss him off, and then maybe he will be more uh, uh, willing to leave Washington. He could very well be wanting to be a national, but he's just saying, hey, look, it's just too early. I got two years still free agency. Let's just wait a little bit. I'm definitely serious about talking, and if you want to continue bringing offers, that's fine. Probably won't sign it, but I'll always look at anything. But when you float these trade rumors out there, that's baloney. I want to be a national. You say you want me to be a national. Let's act like good dealers here. Of course, when you see a name like Soto potentially on the block, all these ideas come out, and that's fine. That's what makes this uh, this whole sports thing fun. I'm cool with it. I'll pivot to the Cardinals here and how it uh, relates to them. Jordan Walker is the name coming up, and I still cannot believe Cardinals media Cardinals public have not learned their lesson from prospect hoarding. Jordan Walker, phenomenal talent, big guy, looks like a fluent athlete, plays first and third base. He's going to have to learn the outfield because you got Nolan, unless he gets ticked off by this season. And then you have Nolan Arenado and you have Paul Goldschmidt. He's going to have to learn the outfield. And I like the guy, the 2020 first round pick. But to act like he's untouchable, that's ridiculous. There is no guarantee this guy's going to be anywhere close to a Juan Soto. So the fact that there's all these uh, 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 takes out there where it's keep him at all costs is, is bananas. Remember Carlos Martinez? Remember Alex Reyes? Even with uh, Carson Kelly at one point with Yadier Molina, it, you get into this hoarding thing like, oh, no, you don't want to give up the next big thing. Why not have the biggest thing now? Worry about the future in the future. I think baseball's kind of uh, um, reformed itself in that way. Probably like six years ago, seven years ago, keeping prospects, not giving it up was like the coolest thing. You, you were seen as being, you know, uh, forward thinking and prescient. And now it's just like, yeah, generally giving up prospects is always a great idea. Even Alcantara, Sandy Alcantara. I know he's a beast and the best pitcher in the National League now. Cardinals are like, oh, that kind of hurts. No, you got Marcelo Zuna. You had him on the NLCS 19 team. You needed Marcelo Zuna. That's fine. Alcantara, he's pitching on a losing team right now. Would it be great to have him? Yeah, but you needed Ozuna during those two years. Fine with it. Everybody else should be. Worry about now. Get the future later. And, you know, Jordan Walker, like the kid, okay, he's a great athlete, but to pretend like you should not give up the best prospect that you have for the best player in the National League, what the hell? You're, I mean, you literally would be solving a knee. You get the best player in the National League, and you give up your best prospect. A guy that's a prospective player. A guy that could flame out within two years. You just never know. The hoarding just does not end, and it's just it, it's a complete syndrome dating back to Albert Pujols because the Cardinals did not sign him back in 2012. They think that they're smarter than everybody else, and it's, it's just – it's still – very present, and I don't get it because I would put Jordan Walker on a plane tomorrow. In fact, tonight, if it meant getting Juan Soto in St. Louis. Like I mentioned with uh, Rumor Mill, you know, I love it. I love going back and forth. I love seeing the takes, even the dumb ones, because it just creates interest. Transactions are fun. The NBA is a complete transactional league. I do not think that's good. I think your product does have to matter. That's why the NFL... 
It's the best of both worlds. People love talking trades, love talking hypotheticals, and then the product, people consume it. That's what baseball has going. They're kind of like the... uh, Kind of like uh, uh, the NBA in that you got transactions, but the product not everybody watched. The difference with the NBA is that nobody watches the games unless it's you know the Warriors or LeBron or whomever. All the uh, regional markets that have no star players, those games don't get watched. And fantasy is not a thing in the NBA, but it's what Major League Baseball has. People actually watch the games and follow at least what the players are doing because they got fantasy leagues. And that's what uh, baseball, I, again, fantasy baseball... Um, transactions, and just the fact that, you know, in the summertime, stadiums are 40,000-seat bars. People like going to it. An NBA arena, not really the same thing in January. So the the thing with the franchise tag in the NFL is that really it is meant for the best of best players. John Elway, Broncos, and uh, the the Bowling family, they created it because they're like, look, I'm not losing John Elway. <laughs> I, I'm definitely wanting to keep him in Denver as long as possible because this is a legacy franchise changer of a player. And so they put it back in there, I think, in like the late 90s, and it's always hit or miss. Sometimes you have some real cool deadlines. I remember with Des Bryant and the late Demarius Thomas, they both signed deals within minutes of each other, and they're virtually identical. It's 2015. And then you have years like this year. The Chiefs, I think they did the right thing with their Orlando Brown. They put together a really good offer, a tempting offer, and then their agents kind of sniffed that out and said, yeah, we're not taking it. I think that's a mistake by uh, the Brown camp. I think he's representing himself, but then he also has like another offensive tackles uh, agent in his corner, so like he does have an agent. It's kind of like, what? why not just hire your own guy? I don't get it, but the whole thing that he wants to be paid like a left tackle, but they're offering him right tackle money, Great stuff by Veach. Absolutely great. I think it's the right move because, really, he's a right tackle. Like, he he did not play all that well last year as far as a pass blocker and what you look for for a franchise left tackle. Now, with the dearth of linemen out there, you definitely want to sign him up. But I'm okay with the Chiefs being like, hey, we're going to go, like, you know, franchise tag here. Just go pay as we go type of deal. And then if you earn this money, if you elevate your play, we'll happily give you the left, left tackle money. Um, so Brown, you know, he, he sniffed it out. Good for him. I think he's doing the wrong thing. Cause you know, just numbers wise, it's kind of borne out. You're, you're just not a left tackle. You're more of a right tackle. Dalton Schultz of the Cowboys. That guy was looking for an extension. You knew the Cowboys weren't going to do it. He's had one really good year. I remember on the podcast a couple months ago, I was like, huh, they gave him the tag. What kind of went back and I was like, yeah, Schultz is actually pretty doggone good. I would see why they would do that. But you're not going to extend them three or four years. He hasn't warranted that, so another pay-as-you-go. Now, the last one, most important one, Jesse Bates. That guy's been a baller. That guy's been completely mute about contracts, virtually, except saying that he's disappointed, the entire time in Cincinnati. The Browns, Mike Brown, so doggone cheap. Like You, you offer him a contract of five years over... Four million more than the average he would get on the tag. Like, what a cheapskate. Like, this is a leader of your defense, been an all pro, been exceptional since you drafted him. I think it was like in the fourth round in 2018. You, you got to give him market value. You absolutely do. And you got Joe Burrow still on his rookie deal. Like, this is the time to do it. And, it, like, what message does it send your players if 
you have a guy like Jesse Bates comes in, underdrafted ultimately, plays his ass off, plays well, great teammate, exactly what a coach wants, and then, oh yeah, we're, we're not rewarding you. Just, just dumb by the Bengals. And look, there's a lot that goes into this, but it, it would be one thing if this guy was like tweeting stuff out, all upset. No, he, he's been completely silent on it. I, 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 I feel for Jesse Bates. He's going to hold out. I don't... That, that really, I don't think, is smart in the sense that it just sets him back from getting in shape, getting into camp and playing and preparing for the season because they cannot negotiate at this point in time. It's just the franchise tag or you don't play. And I do not ever think it's a good idea to uh, to not play the season then try and you know hit the market value or uh, hit the market the next year. You look at Le'Veon Bell, completely derailed his career. 100% all-time whiff of a move from a player when it comes to contracts. And Jesse Bates, I feel for you. I hope you get in camp. And next year, hopefully the Bengals will come to their senses and make you highest-paid safety in the NFL. We got rain pouring down here in the Midwest, and baseball is kind of wrapping up for the All-Star break. I know that most of the afternoon games are over with. Cardinals got rained out. Royals lost to the Blue Jays, and the Sox got beat up on by the Yanks. And got some uh, the afternoon slates finishing up here, but it's raining. We got MLB draft coming up here in about an hour. They're going to tip off, and very strange draft in that pitching is not available at any level, whether it's high school or college. The two most coveted types of prospects. We're talking about the amateur draft. Toolsy high school players who you can mold into the type of hitter that you want them to become and get them straight streamlined into a major league organization, major league schedule, major league regimen. Those guys are available. You got Drew Jones um, and they got Jackson Holiday. And on the pitching side of things, you really don't have much on the college side. It's pretty bad, which makes the Angels in 2021, they drafted 20 for 20 Right-handed pitchers, left-handed pitchers. There was a great article in New York Times by Scott Miller on how they kind of just like try to draft every different type, big, tall, lefty, righty, uh, different arm angles, just everything. That move looks so much more prudent now that you just look at the board here with the MLB draft, which the whole thing is a crapshoot. Whole thing is a crapshoot. You got Garrett Cole, Jamison Tyon in that 2010 draft. They didn't really amount to anything until later on in their careers. The Pirates didn't really take off until later on. Garrett Cole, not until he went to the Astros. Um, another one is uh, Tyler Glass now. I hate to pick on the Pirates because they're not the only organization, but that's just the case with, with players on the mound in particular, but also position players. So, like the Orioles, they're going to get a great player, whether it's Holiday or Drew Jones. I would go Drew Jones. The guy looks like his dad when you just watch the highlights, which, of course, shouldn't be you know taken in a vacuum, but... The whole thing, the whole process, the whole exercise, I appreciate MLB Network hyping it up, gassing it up. You want to make it a big deal, and it can be a good, uh, a big deal, depending upon who you pick and how that turns out 10 years down the road, but you just don't know. You do not know until you get to that decade later with who the prospect is. That's the unfortunate reality with Major League Baseball and really even the NBA because when you draft an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old in the NBA – those guys, a lot of times it's like you're, they're given up on and they're 22 years old and they're traded in a package for a future first rounder. When in reality, like, you know, some of these guys, it's just like, look, it takes a little bit of time. Andrew Wiggins, Warriors, NBA champs. Baseball side of things, you just don't know. 
I think it does not bode well for a lot of teams, though, because pitching is always in, always in style. You always need more pitching. The Angels, they did the prudent thing. They loaded up because this year does not look good. And I think with the MLB draft, the toolsy hitters that are on display, we're going to see them go quick. And it's really just because it's the only thing available. Got to give a shout out to Seattle and the Mariners, 14 in a row as they wrap up the first half of the year. I tell you what, the craziest part about this is that they sit nine games back of first place to the Houston Astros. Just speaks to how excellent the Astros are year in and year out. I'm actually somewhat of a fanboy of Houston now just because, you know, they really just put to bed this whole sign stealing thing. It was illegal. They got caught. They paid the price. They're a fucking great franchise. Excellent. They've been to five straight ALCSs. Um, Obviously, they were very talented that year. Did the wrong thing. Coulda, maybe, would have made the World Series in 2017, even if they hadn't been cheating. And thereafter, they've, with the same cast of characters, same regime, different regime, made it to the playoffs and to the championship series and World Series. So they're they're just damn good. And Seattle, or, uh, yeah, Seattle, 14 in a row, and they're still nine games back. And then they play them, I think it's six times before August 1st, after the All-Star break. Mariners, Astros, they're going to get their shot to, to cut at that deficit. And look, you know, th- this is a big series. Huge two series in Seattle and in Houston. And the fact that they've gotten this far and they still have that to climb, man, it speaks to Houston. But you got to give a nod to Seattle because they're playing out of their minds right now and especially in tight ball games. Julio Rodriguez, excellent, phenomenal athletic player. He's going to be great for Seattle for years to come. And DePoto, the general manager, he's every guy's dream. Whether you're a fan, whether you're a player, in particularly you're a manager, you're always playing for the now. The future will worry about in the future. I know they took a couple steps back intentionally a couple years ago, but he's really good at making a clean 40-man roster. Now, the farm system, he's never really been great at that. That's the thing that the Cardinals have going is that they'll look at that 40-man roster but also have in the farm system plenty of kids and, and really good players coming up, Seattle hasn't really done that. And that's why you know they haven't really made it into the postseason because they haven't had that depth to compete in the AL West. So it's good to see it coming to fruition now. Got to give them a nod. But the crazy part is, is the biggest stretch is yet to come and they'll be facing it after the All-Star break. More shouts for Matt Carpenter. The guy is playing out of his mind. And the most beautiful part about it it's throwing all the analytical and numbers and projection out the window because a guy made a mental and physical adjustment. Is it clear exactly what he did? From a mental standpoint, I think success is you know bred from actually having the results on the field. So I don't know what he did there exactly other than go to AAA, you know, let his ego take that hit, get every day at bats, and just you know, get that success. He, he admitted to the athletic that I just needed to do that. I couldn't take a major league contract, come off the bench, try and prove and revive myself that way. I got to play every day. So he signed with Texas. Ultimately, he said, it doesn't look like they're going to bring me up. So can you release me? They granted that. Yankees scooped him up basically immediately. They were the only team that called. The guy's batting 360 now. And he's, you know, starting. He's not playing every single day. He's playing some outfield, a position that I think last time he played that regularly was with the Cardinals in 2012. And the guy's kicking ass. 
two bombs against the Red Sox yesterday evening on Saturday. And man, all these teams missed out. The funny thing about it, though, maybe it doesn't work out in any other place but the Yankees. Brian Cashman's known to do this. Take flyers on guys that have had excellent careers, but then hit an absolute rut. See if they can be revived from playing under bright lights of Yankee Stadium and the pressure, and maybe that actually gets success out of them. Tulewitzki did not work out. Lindsay Adler, you know, kind of showcased this all in her article. There's some other guys too that he's gone on to do this with. Lance Berkman, uh, Andrew Jones, senior, not the kid that's about to get drafted. It's been really good for Carpenter. If he goes back to St. Louis after Texas, there's no way he has this. He enters the Cardinals clubhouse, even with the mental and physical makeup that he's now got now here in the present. There's no way. He can't be back in St. Louis seeing the same old faces, whether it's with the press, locker room, uh, facility, Mazalock, hearing the same old information. This is a great setting example of how it still matters. The projections, you can say, uh, yeah, I can't do that. Take a flyer sometimes. Take a flyer on someone that was really good at one point, needs a change of scenery. The Yankees are getting the huge payoff that they deserve. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. All-Star Game Week. Hope everybody enjoys it. We got the Jeter docu-series coming out, Home Run Derby, the game, then a little bit of a break. It's always kind of weird. Two days or three days on the calendar where there's no live sports from the four American professional sports. Only time on the calendar is in this July week. So kind of crazy. Then we'll have training camp coming around the corner, NFL, Major League Baseball final stretch. I can't wait. You're going to get all the takes here on the podcast, so let your friends know about it. Subscribe, review, five stars if you can. Love you all. We'll see you next week.